Right, so good afternoon. We've got our, another podcast coming up from our what was what was our wine on Wednesday, and is now in our HR conversations. Uh, we've got Eric Trigin, Global VP of HR from Aki Bono, James Reed, Employment Lawyer Extraordinaire from Dinsmore, Danielle Leaf, the Wizard Employee Benefit Specialist from Hub. Eric, that nickname is going to just follow Danielle forever now. I'm just stick. Congratulations, yeah. And then Mike Kessley from Kessley Developments. Now, now, Mike, why don't you introduce yourself and kind of give everybody a little introduction and what we're going to be doing today to just drag me over the coals. That'd be so super cool. Yeah, okay, we'll drag you over the coals. So I'm Mike Kessley. My company is Kessley Development, where we help you select and develop your people. And there's a number of different types of assessments that I use, whether it's job match assessment or team building assessment, which this DISC is. So today, all, all four of us here, and I've taken it before, took the DISC today. And we said it'd be fun to kind of talk about our different styles and look at um, each other in kind of maybe a different light. So everybody's got the report. And in the report, it talks about what it's like to be a, your style and what motivates you and what stresses you and then how to relate to other people. So if you know their style, so you'll know everybody on this call, you'll know their style by the time we're done. And I'll show you those in a minute. Right, so before we go any further, everybody here got their styles right. Is everyone happy with what they got back? Of course we are. Everybody apart from me. Happy yeah, with <laughs> <Counts> <laughs> So, mine so, tends to like move. If I take it at home, I get one answer. If I take it at work and I'm like pumped, it's always a little bit different. Just a little bit, oh, though. Interesting. Right? Yeah. Interesting like perspective is, is, because is, is, remote do people work. Score, do people score differently depending upon where they're at or within just a, a short period of time? I mean, it, what's the room for error on this thing? There is a slight difference. If you're thinking, okay, here's what I'm like at work, and you answer the questions that way, as opposed to here's what I'm like at home, mm. um, and you answer questions maybe a little bit differently, uh, you can get slightly different results. But it's going to be real close either way. Yep. It's interesting thought, though, because in this world of remote work, where we have remote leadership teams, and we're trying to lead these complex businesses all from separate little enclaves, you almost wonder if we shouldn't redo some of these tools and take a look at team effectiveness. Because when, yeah. I, when I look at the, some of the questions today, and I, I answer them with a never-ending abundance of positivity and optimism. <laughs> when, when I'm answering questions like that, when it relates to my, my family, where it's like, wait a minute, I, I, can't, I can't just look at this as the best case scenario or the best case outcome. I have to be way more realistic and tone things down a little bit because this is the, this is the, not that when I deal with people at work, it's not important, but I got to look for the worst case scenario. I tend to temper the, the answers back a little bit. Mike, does that make sense? Oh, sure. And, you know, if you imagine your, your group at work as one different group, but if you were to assess your spouse and kind of compare styles there, it really is a team building and you end up talking almost a new language because you're talking about, you know, the different type of dominant type of person or an influencer like most of you guys are or a steady or a C person, which is your accountant types, the detail people. Because when I answer those questions, I was answering them as how I would be at work. <laughs> if yeah. my wife saw the answers I was picking, she'd be like, why are you picking that answer? <laughs> because, sorry, dude, that's not it. But 
And so, you know, because the question always comes up, so let's get it out of the way. How this works is basically there's a cost to the assessment and me to review it with you. And that's about $100 per person. So it's really not too expensive. You've got a, you know, a team of six or eight. It's not a lot of money. Okay. All right. So let's, so let's get into it, Mike. You want to, want to share your screen and bring mine up and let's see. And I want to see everybody's and it's a team just so everybody who's, who's watching this can kind of get an idea of what we're going to be looking at. Here. Okay. So here's everybody. There we go. There's everybody's dot location. And so you can see that I'm a DI. Uh, next is Danielle. You're an IS because you're towards the S side. Callum is disappointed with his solid eye. Not disappointed. James is a DI, similar to me, but even a higher. And then, of course, Eric, you're a high eye and very high on the outside. So it does matter where the dot placement is, too, in the middle or on the outside. And so it's kind of like how you answered the questions. If you answer the questions, is like you're not sure, because there is one that's kind of like in the mid middle. Um, then you'll get more in the middle. But mostly everybody here uh, is a high I or high D spot. So can you go through, just like, tell us what's a D, what's an I, what's a C, and what's an S? Can, can okay. You to do that, I'm going to open up your report, Callum. Sure, yeah, let's go. We're going to throw you under the bus, as we kind of <laughs> talked about it. But here's what the report looks like. So it's the Everything Disc, which is one of the Wiley products. And Wiley does disc and five behaviors in our PXT Select. And they um, are a large organization and very detailed type of people. They really do a lot of beta testing before they ever throw in anything out there. So this is workplace. This is kind of like the intro type of disc, but there's one for management, there, which, how to delegate the right job to the, your people. There's one for sales, how to sell to your client based on their style. And it kind of teaches you how to read people and kind of determine what their style is. So there's other ones besides just the one that we did today, which is the uh, everything disc. So I'm going to move forward here a little bit and we're going to look at Callum's report and these cornerstone principles. I don't know if you can see them all the well because well, because our pictures are in there, but just know that all disc styles are priorities and are equally valuable and everyone is a blend of all four styles. Your work style is also influenced by other factors such as life experiences, education, maturity. And I'm reading this because this is really kind of helps define what this is and how to best understand it. So understanding yourself is better, uh, is a better first step to become more effective when working with others and learning about other people's disc style can help you understand their priorities and how they may differ from your own. And then and the, and the key result is you can improve the quality of your workplace by using DISC to build more effective relationships. So I always like to start off with that whenever I do a DISC review. And here it kind of looks at the different DISC styles. So you've got your D, I, S, and C, and they've even got this color-coded thing going on. So a D is somebody that's direct and firm and strong-willed, forceful and results-oriented type person. I is either outgoing, enthusiastic, enthusiastic, optimistic, high spirit, and lively, like kind of the whole group is here. Then it's your steadiness type person, which is a lot of your customer service people, even tempered, accommodating, patient, humble, tactful. And then the C, the conscientiousness type person is your accountants and CFOs, analytical, reserved, precise, private, and systematic. So that's just kind of a quick overview of what the DIA. So, so we've got all these different things. So when normally when you're going through 
a lot of us on this deal face to face with clients and like a, a new business or sales capacity, right? Or our director of HR. So we're all outgoing. So how does, what are you looking for within a group, right? How do you want people to score? Does it matter where they score? Or does it just matter that everyone knows where they are? Well, it's good to know where the other people are, but if you've got a team, say a cross-functional team of some sort, and you're trying to create a project, you want a little bit of everybody, the four different styles on that team. Eric, do you use stuff like this and with you? Because how many people do you have direct reports to you? Yeah, I have 10 direct reports right now. So now it's pretty flat. But we've used this a lot in the past. So I was actually a part of, and it's one of my favorite tools. It's one of the ones that was referenced at the top of the call, which is, you know, the seven habits of the highly effective teams and team mm -hmm. effectiveness. And we use this as a leadership team. And it was very, very fascinating to see where the CEO and the COO were very heavy on the D, very analytical, and you know where our CFO fell more towards the C side and the supply chain, and each function kind of fell in a different area. But what we used it for was less about where you are. I mean, because clearly ID in top of the scale is the best place to be, but it's not so much about where you are on this scale, but just a recognition of how the team works together. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so no, from a management standpoint, and what Mike is saying, from a management standpoint, in actual practice, this has helped you run a better department? It, helped us, it helps us run a better company. And it helps our leadership team be more effective. And you know, I'll go back to a subject from a prior HR conversation. This is speed of trust, and it's trust. And the more you can do these and the more you understand this, the more trust you have in each other, and the more trust you have, the faster you can go as an organization. That's a, a portion of what you want to accomplish through a diversity and inclusion initiative by having more styles in all four of these boxes as opposed to a clone? Or are you more looking to race than women? Which is it, Eric? Which for me? Yeah. You know, I, I think I was a coach. No, I think we have diverse people. <clears throat> is, it, is it just race and. No, I take diversity and inclusion. I take it to a very well thought through conclusion I, and I expand it very far out. I think you need diversity of philosophy. You need diversity of you know, political stance. You need diversity of race. You need diversity of gender. You need diversity of origin, diversity of what, you know, I don't want all firstborn children. I mean, I don't want all single kids or I don't want, you wanna have as much diversity as you can because I believe that fabric and the example I used to always use is, and I think on the influence, they said I'm a, an example giver. But if I take one thread, it's very easy to break. But if I take all those threads and weave them together into a mat, it's very hard to break. So if I can weave my culture together with a lot of unique threads, I can get a very vibrant culture that won't yield. Danielle, you do a lot with Anya. Do you know where Anya scores on this? Because Anya's your partner in crime. She's like your, your, she's your partner, right? So where does Anya score on this? Do you know? You know, I think that she would also be an I, but whereas I am an IS, she might be more on the ID side. So we tend to work very well together. And that actually raises the question that I had for Mike. When you had the um, screen open earlier, I'd be very curious it's almost like a tarot card reading what your assessment of our group would be based on 
our spread. You know, we're all I or D, but we've got a little bit of a spread around that wheel. I mean, if you were to look at that without knowing us, would you say this is a team that will work well together? Or wouldn't you think that there might be a little bit of conflict because we both yeah. we all fall into those? Uh, no conflict uh, would work well together. Now, the only time there might be conflict is if uh, um, you were trying to go for the lunch line. You might all go at the same time and try and get in the line in front of the other person. That'd be about it. I'd let everybody go first. There wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> I've so got enough asking me to let everybody ahead, yeah. As we're looking at this DISC, know that the D and I at the top are extroverts and the S and C below are more of the introvert types. Okay. So if you want me to go on, I'll keep looking. Yeah, at yeah, let's go. Let's see what let's let's see what we got okay. here. So here's an overview. So you can see your dot placement there. So you can see your eye, mm -hmm. and it starts talking about this is personalized for you. What it's like to be an eye, uh, and whether how close to the edge, and so that gets into more detail. So your eye style. So it really this is this whole page is what it's like to be Callum right? How to be, to be an I. So each of you also received your own report. So it's how to be, you know, the DI or the ID or the IS. And so it gets into detail and it talks about the shading and priorities that everybody's a little bit of all styles. Um, but mostly there's a dominant style, like in your case, it's the I. Mm -hmm. And that you like to generate enthusiasm. You take action and you value collaboration, which is what you're doing now. And next part of this is all the motive, what motivates you, what stresses you out. So you can see what motivates you, meeting new people and all that bullet points there. And then the next part of it is what stresses you out, giving people unpleasant feedback. Well, who likes doing that, but right. forceful or insistent. So this is really learning about yourself. Working, <laughs> working steadily to, towards long-term goals stresses me out now. So, I mean, I, I, some of it, yes, I completely agree with some of this, absolutely. And, and some of it, I completely disagree with. But no, like the unbridled enthusiasm and like colorful projects and in team environment, that's what started this podcast. Yeah, I, I love working with people. Absolutely. I think it's the best. I mean, I don't want to do anything else. That's, yeah, that's the whole that's, And that's what you're doing now. Yeah. So here's some detail about what it's like to be a D or an I. So it gives you more details. So now it's trying to start you learning about others and, you know, maybe different areas. So this for you as an I, how to work with a D style. So it, these next few pages are how to work with other styles. And this is where... Um, you need to go back and pay attention to yeah, that, Caleb. Yeah, yeah, let's go back. That's, that's the, this is the important part, I think. Because this is the fun part, I think. Okay, so I need to, my, um, because of this uh, Zoom picture. And what I think is interesting as he scrolls back is not only the, how you might react to the style, but I like the viewpoint that that style may have of you. And if you look at those bullets, so the people with a D style, no, how do to, you, the D. Yeah. to you, a D style person is going to seem driven and blunt and outspoken and forceful. And, mm. and to me, that's very meaningful because, and I'll relate it back to, again, real world, to our leadership team at Akibono. And we had somebody who was just seen as absolutely blunt and forceful. And there was honestly starting to get to be some problems and people didn't want to work together. And we were starting to get the beginnings of a fissure starting. 
And that's what caused Vilm, the CEO, and I to decide to do this in a retreat format. This is I'm going back four years, three years now. But when we did it, it opened our eyes to say, wait a minute, this is why this person seems that way to us. So I think these pages are very critical. Yeah, it's telling you that it's not personal, it's just the way they're wired. And you know, then you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Wait a minute, ID's got a competitive drive for results, James? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are the odds? What are the odds? All right, keep going. All right, well, let me buzz through the rest of this report. Um, sure. What motivates you, and then it's the I style, and then you get into how to work with the S and the C. Um, and then it gets even into more detail. Um, so connecting with a D, how to connect with somebody that's a D, uh, I, an S, and a C, and, um, and it, how you can be more effective together when problems need to be solved. So it gives you some details about what it's like to be you, but also how to deal with other people. So when I, I got a new manager about a year and a half ago, we should have done something like this at the very start because I wasn't particularly nice to my, <laughs> to my new manager. So um, we're great now, but uh, because we figured out what our, our, how we got along and we figured out how to communicate with each other, but something like this would have really sincerely helped. And Mike, do you go into departments where there is some kind of animosity or departments aren't getting along? Give us a story when you went don't give any names, but give us a, an example, a concrete example of something that was broken and has helped fix it. So sometimes I'll get a call, Mike, I want to do a particular assessment on this person that we're having a problem with. Well, when you sing, single somebody out like that, then they get defensive. But if you do it for an entire department, then it's like, okay, everybody's doing this. I'm okay with it. And then you can learn more about that person and how to work with them. I guess my question is, is when do you see companies implementing this most often? Is it on the front end of hiring? Is it as they're restructuring a team or trying to create better culture? And when do you think it's most effective to implement these? I find it most uh, effective, but also most accepting when the company's growing and they know they're trying to you know, become better organization and maybe improve the culture a little bit. Um, if there's downsizing going on, uh, those kinds of issues, it's just that everybody kind of is on edge and they're afraid to even take it. And, um, you know, they'll even kind of fake the results. They'll say they'll answer a question, maybe not like how they really are, but maybe how they think they want me. So there's a good uh, point in there, Mike. And then when you are in that, you've got to be cognizant of what mode your company's in. Because when you're in growth mode, you can really do no wrong as a company to your employees. But when you are in this downsizing, this cost-containing lean mode, which a lot of companies are forced into right now, everything is going to be seen as suspicious by your team. Mm -hmm. And you've got to be really careful because you ask people to do this, they're going to think they're evaluating themselves for a cut. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me wrap up. There's only a couple pages left. And this taking action is kind of like what you can do now to work with others. But I wanted to show you this personalized index style. I've had people, so these next few pages is how to deal with a, directly with somebody that's a DC or a DI or the different styles. So you can see it gets detailed. So I've had people tell me that they print this out and carry it with them. 
when they go to meetings or when they go out at night and, and they try and find out what other people and then they read up on how to, to work with them better. So anyway, this is a nice little cheat sheet, these, these few pages here on how to be a DIS and see and how to work with them. And that brings us to the very end of the report. This is awesome. Just so if anyone's, well, when people do listen to this, I'm going to be posting these and attaching these to the LinkedIn's. <laughs> so anyone listening can download these and take a look at them because I know everybody wants to see James. Right? <laughs> everybody wants to see. Yeah, so we have to send you our thoughts. So we'll send you our PDF. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Send them over. That's great. Yeah. So Mike, when it comes to when it comes to a company right now, everyone's everybody's back in hopefully growth mode. How do we ramp back up? What kind of cost do you think is associated with something like this? I mean, what's the ROI on something like this to an organization? Wow. So um, I guess you've got to have some sort of uh, team report on everybody and what is it? What are the, well, I guess a way to measure that is what, what's it going to be like if we don't do this? Right. We continue on, you know, it's like the CEO and CFO talking, you know, it's going to cost money. The CFO says it's going to cost money if we develop these people. Um, and what if they leave? And then the CEO says, well, what if we uh, don't and they stay? So right. uh, anyway, it's the same kind of thing. But uh, I mean, it's an expensive mistake, right? I mean, do you want do you want to spend the time and get do we want to all get along or do we all want to keep on going? the way things are going. So you have to realize that you have a problem and something's broken before you want to do this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you can't be penny wise and pound foolish either, right? Or what was the famous one? We used to step over dollars to pick up nickels. So this is one where you're gonna make a small investment to make your biggest investment more effective. Mm -hmm. Eric, yeah. when, did you, when did you do something like this, Eric, as a, as a department? When did we do this? Yeah. Uh, most of the time it was around team effectiveness. So I did it at Comcast and we did the team effectiveness, the Laconi book. Um, I did it again with my team at Cooper Standards. I had 13 manufacturing plants that I had to Oof. you know, bring together under one set of common rules. So this helped us a lot. Um, and then we did it at Akibono. Mike, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about doing this profile for people who are already employed and for various reasons within in an organization. But what about for people who are job seeking? Do you recommend them taking this personally and kind of leading with this as they're having a conversation, you know, with someone in HR to kind of help them navigate through the type of positive personality traits that they can expect? Well, most people um, in business, and especially I would think in HR, are pretty familiar with DISC and how to use it. So as a job hunter, if you go in and say, well, I'm, an, I'm a DI style and I'd like to be, you know, forceful and get things done, but I have to, I know I have to kind of dry, dial it back a little bit. You know, you're talking about what you're like. And so your uh, soon to be boss or at least hiring manager would read that as, boy, this is somebody that knows what they're talking about. Or yeah, I think it really exudes a, a sense of emotional intelligence as well to be able to call out some of your you know, personal challenges and also your strengths. What Do organizations like style? Sorry, right, James, what you got there? If somebody was not a D or an I, would they still be an effective manager if they had a bunch of people that reported to them that were a lot of Ds and Is? 
I'm sure Eric can answer this too, but if, as long as you know their style and how to work with them, you, that's half the battle. And let's go back to our, our conversation at the top of the hour. Absolutely, that's diversity and inclusion. We've got to stop making decisions about what, what makes a person effective and start using this to say, this is what a person's prior results were as a predictor of what their future results will be. But at the end of the day, you do have to also give people a chance. If I could throw, Mike, since, what we're I was... talking, since we're talking about hiring in the DISC, know that the DISC is a personality assessment. is no measure of distortion or whether the person's being candid with the results. It's not designed for hiring. It can be used in conjunction with some sort of PXT or caliper or some sort of assessment that has cognitive piece built into it. Um, and so that way it can work. And it's a lot of times it's done after they're hired and inside the organization. You bring up a good point with that because I guess as spot on as these things seem, I wonder if there's ever cases where someone tests and they're actually kind of put into a box of assumption that, well, you're an ID, so you know we're going to assume that you're not capable of this other skill set over here. How often do you see that happening, and is that an issue ever? Well. I guess if you're an ID or a DI or any of those more extrovert types and you're going for a job that's an accountant or a CFO or some sort of controller type of position, you know you're out, you're kind of stretching to get there. Um, so it's just more information to make a better decision for promoting and in some cases hiring in conjunction with a good valid uh, hiring assessment. It's interesting though, Danielle, because what you bring up is some hidden biases because there are biases. And, and I know the leadership team was expecting their HR person to be an SC. And they're surprised because I'm not the average you know, HR person. So they're kind of surprised that I look more like them than look like what they expected me to look like. But I think these are all little things that you use to start conversations. Teams are built around conversations and communication. So anything that can start that is healthy. Hey, James, when you're talking to a new client or talking to a current client, do you think about how they would score on a test like this to tailor your presentation or your conversation with them? Definitely. So, and all clients are either about what makes business sense, but some are so DI that they want to just take an action based on principle and just kind of, you know, win to win or win to set a precedent and example for, for others. And you really have to understand what they're like to know how to approach their case. Like one time uh, I came across, I thought they wanted something aggressive without really knowing them well. And really they wanted something very kind of neutral and soft and gentle. And so it, you need to know, we don't, we don't sell widgets as a law firm. You tailor it to what they're looking for. So you really do have to get in their head and understand what they want. Because you're dealing with a bunch of decision makers or some senior level executives that might have, you might have four or five different scores all over this thing. And how do you get everybody onto the same page? And when I'm going into a, a sales process, I, I, there was one about four years ago, I still cringe because I'm an I. So I'm enthusiastic off the walls. And we had a, a C in there. I, he hated me. 
<laughs> he was just like, this guy's so, so enthusiastic. And, and exactly. I remember to this day, and I, so when I'm talking to people now, I, like James, I'm getting much better at recognizing when, oh, I need to, we've got a couple C's in here, oops. <laughs> yeah, well, and, uh, even on my own team, you notice some different personalities. Right. So I, I think it's good to have a diverse team because I also am not the one-stop shop for all clients either. I, I pass them off to the right personality for them on the team. Awesome. Same question to Danielle then. So Danielle, would you like to take data like this when you're designing benefit offerings so you can optimize a company's usage of their available resources? I would say overwhelmingly, yes, because so much of what we do involves culture. And so, you know, the more that we can help drill down and understand what's going on within individual departments or why there might be an issue, you might find that you have a bunch of individual incredible performers who aren't getting along and it may be that they're all the exact same disc profile. So it's nice to be able to take a step back and help unravel that a little bit and say, once we all are aware of this, we can then have a compass to navigate from there, you know, how to all get along and collaborate and work a little bit differently. So everyone here sees the, the extreme value in doing something like this, but Mike, when you talk to organizations, how long did they normally give you to go through this test? And did he, what kind of follow-up is needed to make sure this thing actually sticks? Okay, so generally I'll go in and do a presentation in a, like a 90 minute session. And maybe the two or three weeks before that, everybody's given the link like you guys did today. And you were very fast at doing that, but sometimes people will wait to the very last day to do their disc. So you're trying to put the presentation together and then everybody, it's a team building session, right? Just like we are now, we're talking about, you know, how it is to work with others and you're kind of reading other people's styles. So once they've got that and maybe it's uh, the management team decides, okay, we want to get into this more. So there's a way where somebody in the organization can get certified and get a facilitation kit and they have their own sub account. So they keep everybody within this group and they can have, you know, they send out the disc things, they do the facilitation. And so they kind of take it over from there. I don't know about anyone else, but I worked for some organizations before that made us do this. And then you might as well have just thrown it in the trash. Like there's, there's zero follow-up. And so it just kind of felt how, how much follow-up needs to be done for something like this to be put into practice and actually make a difference. So there's a report that's free, um, but I can com get comparison reports. So you and James and um, Eric and uh, Danielle, you know, I can do comparison reports for the whole group and send them to you. And it's how to work specifically with that person. So those comparison reports really will help you. Or maybe you're going to go into a team meeting and you'll contact whoever's in charge of training in HR and say, can you get me a comparison report on everybody in the team? And then you kind of st study up on what you're going to be going into. But Eric, how much times, you, Eric, you're a practicing global VP of HR, right? You got a lot going on. How much time and effort, or how much time and effort do you have to put into something like this to make it work properly? I mean, really? Well, I'm going to give a very couched HR answer. It really depends on the situation. So if I've got, and I'm going to go back to my example, if I've got a leadership team that I see is starting to stumble. I'm going to invest a lot of time and energy because this whole company could end up in the ditch if we're not careful. 
So yeah, I'm going to invest a lot of time and energy. If things are relatively stable and I'm just, you know, maybe adding some people to the team and some things are morphing, but it's not anything too earth shaking. This is going to get a little bit lower mm. amount of cycles from the okay. clock each. Hey, James, you're in a lot of conflict. I love talk. I love this statistic. 90% of conflict is good. <laughs> so when, when <laughs> I know everything, I'll bring it up. So when something like this for, for you, how important is this for organizations to look at, especially with the diversity and inclusion, everything with the, with the, the equity, right? I mean, I how would something like this help? Because my guess is if you're not a D, you're less likely to share all of your struggles and all your concerns and all your thoughts. And you might be more passive. Yeah, I'm okay. And maybe that means that there's not so much going on. So if I knew that was their style, I may consider doing some more follow-up questions and getting to the bottom of it. So I, I do see how this would be helpful. Since you mentioned conflict, there is one, so I, I, this is the workplace. This is kind of like the intro one. It's how to learn about yourself and then how to read others. And then there's the management and the sales, but there's one called productive conflict. And the idea of this is conflict is good. And, and as long as you trust each other and everybody within the group understands their styles, you can really uh, develop some good conflict and not be worried about challenging somebody on something they just said. So that's, a, like you said, a whole nother piece of the puzzle. Hey, Danielle, could something like this be put into a benefit program? I think so, absolutely. Like I said earlier, I think that, you know, so much of what goes beyond just the marketing for benefits is truly understanding your population and the demographic of your workforce, which can have a variety of factors. But, oh my gosh, the human element of, you know, what actually makes a person tick, what, you know, if they're more extroverted or introverted, if they're more likely to lead a team or take on a project, I think it's, it's absolutely um, has a place. James, I cut you off. Yeah, my question was, is a disc like you take it one time in your life and you're good? Or if, if you elevate you know, career-wise and position-wise, should you take it again? So the way I've been trained to answer that question is people can change over time especially if there's a, a significant life changing, like a nasty accident or a nasty divorce or something. And this person really kind of changed after that. Then their distyle would probably change also. But again, in most cases, whether it's now or five years from now, your style's gonna be pretty much the same. I wonder if though you take, you always think about round peg and a round hole. And we've all seen people who just didn't fit. And we've watched them struggle, struggle, struggle. And then we've moved them into a role that, that was their fit, that that was their round hole. And you watch them just bloom. And you always wonder if under those circumstances, if they answered this under criteria A and criteria B, how different would it be? Yeah. yeah. You've heard of the Peter principle, right? You promote someone to the point of incompetence and then they're just like, oh no. Eric, you ever seen anything like that happen? You think this could possibly help alleviate it? Oh yeah, you deal with that all the time. And <laughs> my, I, it's a, it's a postulate to that. But what I see more frequently is we take people who are very good doers and turn them into managers 
of doers and they don't do anything to prepare them. We don't teach them how to manage. We don't teach them how to lead people. We don't teach them how to leave things behind. You know, if you're not careful, they end up trying to do the whole job themselves. Yep, been there. Not you know, selfishly, sorry, go ahead, Jane. No, go ahead. I was gonna say, selfishly as a salesperson, I wish I could administer, administer this test to all of my prospects and clients because so often you're kind of guessing, okay, where do they fall on the scale? I actually have a colleague who has the disc um, wheel on their mouse pad that gives like, you know, if it's a D, speak to them this way. As we said earlier, like cut to the chase. And I think that's very helpful because as an IS, I might tend to be a little bit more talkative and warm and long-winded, whereas the person on the other end of the call might be like, cut to the chase, give me the bullet points. You know, what are we getting at here? Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking with that hat on. No, I love it. Yeah, I was saying that, as Eric said, uh, a doer can some, sometimes be a manager without being a great manager. I also see the same issue with the influencer who is friends with everybody, all of a sudden becomes HR, and she's still best friends with all the subordinates and going out to lunch with them all, and everyone else is afraid to report on anyone in their lunch crew because it's like a popular, or they're afraid to give that discipline downward because want to be popular. I've been part of those conversations where we were going to promote someone and the thing that held them up was we don't believe that they can step out now and manage their prior peers. And it, that's real. That is as real as can be. And I think people in the workplace need to keep that in mind. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be friends with people, but you need to be able to show the uh, maturity that if you were to be promoted to be the leader of that group, you could handle it and you could still have professional discussions with your friends. We are so segueing into the whole manager. How, how do you find a good manager? How do you train managers? We had the whole thing about good bosses and bad bosses a couple of weeks ago, but how do you train? Nobody trains managers how to be good managers anymore. They just look at people and go, this is you. So, so Mike, before, before we wrap it up, how, what would you like people that listen to this to know about you and the test and in a couple minutes just tell us what's the value proposition here for them to, to bring you on board and give it a shot. So I kind of like to think of myself as the assessment doctor, right? So I would talk to you or Danielle and find out what your challenges are. And there's a like a basket of assessments that I work with. And then I can pick which one would be best for you. And in this case, now you're using science to either hire or coach or develop or promote your managers. You've actually got scientific data, you know, that has been proven uh, to, to make those decisions, make better decisions. Awesome. Also, I, I would, I mean, it took what, 15, 15 minutes, 20 minutes to go through the, the yeah. test this afternoon. I did it on lunch break. It was, it was kind of fun. It was fun, but yeah. um. Mike, thanks for coming in at such short notice to, to let us do this. I sincerely appreciate it. James, don't you disappear right now. My right. wife wants to act, I need to talk to you, but my wife's writing a book now called The Fix. And I told her about the 90% thing. So when we stop this, don't ring off. Wow. And so, so Mike, thanks for coming in. Um, when we send this out on LinkedIn, we're going to have your direct, inf your contact info so people can reach out if they want to go through this with their departments or anybody else. Thanks again so much. This is great. Danielle, you're leading the charge next week. This is all on you. Pick something fun to talk about. I'm going to do it. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks,
Bye now. Bye.